It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Sometime every Saturday at 2 when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe bring into the middle of the conversation a subject that doesn't make its way there enough. So great to have you along. Ava on the board. Christian taking your calls at 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. And Matt, um, sorry, and Kevin is back supervising things today. A lot to do. I'll be here with you for two full hours. The second hour, we're going to be focusing on some of the legal news of the week. It's been a busy and interesting week in the courts. Donald Trump was t- testified again on his, um, well, testified and his children testified in his civil case. He basically admitted to the crime and tried to explain why. Um, Eric Adams had his cell phone seized in a very aggressive way. We'll talk about that. It's not often they do that kind of thing. They stopped Eric Adams on the street and took his cell phone. And obviously, Curtis and I are going to be talking about that at 4 o'clock on left versus right. Also, some interesting developments flying a little bit under the radar in the court cases. We'll kind of talk about those things a little bit in the second hour. Catch up a little bit on what's going on in the Israeli war against the terrorist organization Hamas. More and more video coming out that kind of, you know, the fog of war definitely exists. You have to be very careful what you see on social media and other places, but some interesting things I want to note. And obviously it was, it was election day also this week. Kind of came and went with a whimper rather than a bang. Democrats did very well nationally. I mean, look, you want to summarize the national mood? The national mood is they don't like Republicans, but they don't like Biden, right? The polls have come out showing that Biden not doing very well. As a matter of fact, I talk about, I have a podcast that comes out every Wednesday called The Middle Unplugged, and I focus on this age issue and how old Joe Biden sounds. I play some interesting tape. You might want to listen to it, some historical tape going back to 1988 of how Joe Biden used to sound to compare it to where he is today. Can I kind of make the argument that one of the reasons this issue is so sticky for Joe Biden or so problematic is nothing you can do about it. He sounds the way he sounds, but I have some suggestions. That's called The Middle Unplugged, episode 55. But if you look at the national mood, whenever they get a chance to vote in the Donald Trump era, in the MAGA era, Republicans have lost. 
or at least underperformed dramatically. Um, he, he, he was outvoted by Hillary, but won the electoral college vote in 2016, 2017 midterm elections. Democrats won overwhelmingly. 2008 midterm elections. Democrats won overwhelmingly. 2020, Joe Biden took office. 2022, no red wave. Instead, it was a red trickle, and the Democrats did very well. And here we are in 2023. Wasn't a ton on the ballot, but what was there showed that when it comes to things like abortion, when it comes to the policies of the two parties, the Republican brand is in a very bad space right now. All that anti-transgender, anti-woke stuff that was so popular coming out of politicians' mouths. Glenn Youngkin, the next great, great hope for the Republican Party. That was his whole thing, you know, school this and don't let, don't teach my kids that. School boards all over the country swept out the book banners, swept out the people that were trying to, you know, deny kids and parents, you know, rights. I mean, basically the progressives struck back. And voters prefer that. All of Glenn Youngkin's, you know, he thought he was going to win back the Virginia legislature. He didn't. And spent a lot of money on it. And obviously choice continues in the post-Dobbs era. Now that the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right for the first time, women and anyone who knows a woman have been in every state imaginable, from Kansas now to Ohio, have been saying, we don't like that constitutional amendment in Ohio that guarantees a woman's right to choose in that state. And if you think that this is going away, it ain't. All these 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 referenda that are showing up in states, they're going to show up next year too, driving people to the polls, particularly young people and particularly women. And you're going to see it. Now, so what happens in a presidential campaign when you've got an unpopular Joe Biden, but you've got a popular, a fairly unpopular Republican Party also. What happens? I don't know. I still think Joe, Joe Biden wins. But the issue isn't going away. And Donald Trump is going to be, he's going to be hearing this tape over and over again next year. Do you believe in punishment for abortion? Yes or no? Is a principle? Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. Yeah, so he's, you're going to be hearing that tape an awful lot. <laughs> because, you know, the idea of punishing a woman for getting an abortion, prohibiting her for getting, listen, you can't be, you know, you, you, you can't ignore the, all of the, 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 the data now that shows Republicans are on the wrong side of that issue, like so many others. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Another political news this week. We have the debate. Can we all agree, Democrats and Republicans, we finally have something to agree upon? Vivek Ramaswamy is a scum. <laughs> That's what a Nikki Haley called him. I mean, that guy is like, he, he comes across like a, it's really hard. He's a tough guy to like. And that's why he had his moment in the sun and he's been going plummeting in the polls ever since. Calls the president of Ukraine who lost his grandparents in the Holocaust. He calls him a Nazi. I mean, what, he really. And, and, and Nikki Haley, who, as, as I've said, I've said, you know, for a while now, she's a comer. Going after Nikki Haley because her daughter is on TikTok? I got news for you. People are on TikTok. Jordan is on TikTok. Um, speaking of Jordan, he played a hockey game today. Played great. Team didn't do too well. Very proud of him. He's the captain of the team. Takes it very seriously when the team doesn't do well. But um, his progress has just been amazing. My friend Kevin got to watch the game. 
and he sees him only sparingly, intermittently, so he hasn't seen how much progress he's made, so he's doing great. Also in honor of Veterans Day, any veterans in your life, keep them close, listen to them, tell their stories about their experiences. Lost my dad, my, my dad was a veteran. And to all of those who don the uniform, we owe them a great debt. And this is the day that we talk about it some, but it should be throughout the year, particularly when we see that in other countries like Ukraine and Israel, um, people making sacrifices that are for their country, but they wind up there on the battlefield so our veterans don't have to. So Veterans Day, have a Veterans Day to all of you, and may you have a meaningful one. <clears throat> one other piece of political news, the race for president is getting busy, and I think it's in a bad way for Joe Biden and the Democrats. Joe Manchin is sniffing around about running for president. I don't think he really matters that much. I don't think too many Democrats would be voting for Joe Manchin anyway. The only reason to vote for him in West Virginia is he meant Chuck Schumer could stay majority leader, but he's been kind of a thorn in the side of many Democrats for a while. Cornell West, you know, now he's not running. He's not running as he's running as an independent, not as a Green Party. And the the Green Party, Jill Stein, who many people think is working for the Russians once again, after having cost Hillary Clinton the election in 2016, she's back. And the thing about the Green Party is a lot of young people who don't know any better look at the Green Party and under and think, oh, the Green Party must be care about the environment. She's for me, when obviously any vote for her is basically a vote for Donald Trump. And then RFK Jr. is also running as an independent. And I had this one called, and the polls have been bearing me out. RFK Jr. takes votes from Donald Trump, not from Joe Biden. An anti-vax conspiracy theorist with anti-Semitic leanings or whatever, That's those are Republicans. And the war in Gaza continues. And people have been chanting for a ceasefire. The United States has been joining the call, asking for a pause, not a ceasefire. Well, basically, now the Israelis are giving pauses. Every day from 10 to 2, humanitarian pause for people to be able to move out of their dangerous spots. Safe corridors have been set up to allow Gazans to leave from the north and go to the south. And now we're seeing videos emerging on those humanitarian pathways, those corridors that the Israelis set up to protect Palestinians as they left the war zone and go to safer places in the south. The Palestinians are being shot as they as they leave by that's right, Hamas. That the Hamas. This is who who the people who are do, who are declaring death to Israel, ceasefire now. This is who they're standing up for. Because Hamas is shooting Palestinians as they try to leave the battle areas. And why is that? It's because these Palestinians, it's been said over and over again, are being used as human shields. Some interesting footage. Again, you got to be careful when you take a look at what's going on online. Interesting footage, footage um, of um, this hospital in Gaza coming under attack by Israelis and firing back. Exactly who is in a hospital that is firing back missiles? Like, how did a hospital become a place that you fire from? But but this was posted by Hamas. They look at the damage being done to this hospital, not realizing the video shows the hospital, people at the hospital firing back missiles. Well, how is that happening? And the way it's happening is because, you know, hospitals are being used that way. So there is basically humanitarian pause now. 
They were, they were, you know, as far as a ceasefire, I don't know what exactly, you know, the Israelis have raised this question and I haven't gotten a good answer. What does a ceasefire exactly accomplish? What does it do? We're already there, you know, have there been guarantees for, well, not guarantees, but opportunities for Palestinians to leave the area of the Israeli bombardments and the Israeli attacks. Already we have found that the Israelis have discovered and blown up meters upon meters, hundreds of meters of, of, of tunnels going beneath apartments, going beneath hospitals. So what is it for? Oh, well, they get humanitarian aid as well. The, the United Nations has all this humanitarian aid that they can deliver to the South at any time, which is where they should be delivering it. And I've also said, yeah, so much is being getting wrong. So like the, the, I've heard people complain, like the, the territories are going dry. They don't have water. Only 7% of Gaza's water supply comes from Israel. The other 93% is controlled by Hamas. And what the Israelis have found when they went in, because they haven't been there since 2005, was that Hamas has dug up the irrigation pipes to make them into rockets. And they've probably destroyed much of Gaza's aquifer to build hundreds of miles of tunnels underground and underground bunkers. So what do folks think is going to happen when and if there is a ceasefire? The quickest way to a ceasefire is if Hamas says we're prepared to turn over 200-some-odd hostages that we're holding, I think the Israelis would stop shooting so we can get them safely out of there. That would be a ceasefire to do that. You want supplies? 400,000 gallons of fuel is controlled by Hamas underground. Go use that. Power, use, your, use that for your power plants. Oh, the craziest thing. Craziest thing. It's a lot of madness going on right now. But there's an emergency Arab summit going on. I believe it's at this hour as we speak. And so you've got the mullahs of Iran showing up in Saudi Arabia. You've got Bashir Assad. My hand to God, I cannot believe this. Bashir Assad showing up at this emergency Arab summit in support of the Palestinians. Do you know how many Arabs Bashar Assad has killed since 2011? As many as 500,000 just since 2011. And that's in that as he tries to hold on to power. Where are the, where are the protesters for that? No one kicking on the doors of Grand Central because Bashir Assad is slaughtering his own people. By the way, for context, since 2011, Bashir Assad has slaughtered 500,000 of his own people, okay, all Arabs. Since 1860, the estimate of how many Jews and Arabs combined in the conflict over the land, the state of Israel, the land of Israel, etc., is only 120,000 since 1860. And yet, these kids are out there protesting and want death to Israel. And now Bashir Assad is showing up at a conference to protect the Palestinians in these opulent Saudi quarters. Such phoniness. And so I've seen that that Anthony Blinken and and some of the international community said, okay, we have a plan. Once we wipe Hamas out of Gaza, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222 is the phone number. Once we wipe out Hamas out of Gaza, Bibi Netanyahu said, well, I mean, I guess the Israelis have to stabilize it in the interim. Oh, no, the Israelis can't go back into Hamas, uh, into Gaza. So they said, let's get the Palestinian Authority, who couldn't get elected dog catcher, and let's insert them in Gaza. And they were 
chased out of there in 2007. It was also slaughtered by Hamas, but that's another story. And this reminds me so much about what we try to do in Afghanistan. Now we said, all we'll do is we'll prop up the Afghanistan government and everyone will be happy. It's the same problem. There's no one wants to control, no one wants any part of Gaza. And those that do, the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, they're just so corrupt. If Israel wasn't providing, you know, I know, this is the one thing I need my friends who are out there with their, with their posters and their sign, death to Israel, free the Palestinians from the river to the sea or whatnot. The Palestinians, they, they have proven to be unable to govern themselves in Gaza. They picked Hamas and look what Hamas did to them. And not all that much better in the West Bank. I say to the world community, I say to the Arab, the emergency Arab summit, anyone who wants to come in and says, we'll make sure that no one there is shooting rockets at you and we'll take care of the people of Gaza. I bet you the Israelis would say, fine, do it. Look, this has been a complicated, vexing year for, uh, area for a long time. And if you want to say that Bibi Netanyahu should be blamed because he didn't do enough to help prop up the PA, to help, to help, um, make Hamas seem like a worse option, that he should have done more, that he shouldn't have been focusing on all this internal stuff he's doing on the judiciary and whatever else. Fine. That's for the Israelis to decide. They're a democracy. That's for them to decide. But if you want to say that that led to this, I'm there for that conversation. No doubt about it. Tom Friedman made that argument in the New York Times. Not a big fan of his, but he's not, he's not wrong. Bibi Netanyahu, I think he's done a lousy job. But it's a democracy. That's for the people of Israel to decide. Just like it is for them to decide the best way to defend themselves. The United States wants to continue to be a broker for the rest of the world because we're so close with Israel. Good. I don't, I don't have problems saying humanitarian pause or whatnot. I just don't know what a ceasefire looks like. I don't know what that accomplishes. By the way, you want to see a great video? Watch, um, Hillary Clinton on The View talk about this. Those bozos. She kind of, you know, explained why this, you know, ceasefire, you made all these liberal bleeding hearts that say, oh, ceasefire, because it's such a lovely word. Peace now, such lovely words. What practically it means is let Hamas keep keep running and refortifying re, re and killing more Palestinians because that's what they've done. And like I said, be very suspicious of anything you this social media stuff. But there's a lot of social media videos being shown that have two things right now that I think are interesting. One is a lot of videos of Palestinians themselves standing up and saying, God, Hamas, leave us alone. Hamas, leave us alone because they know that the moment that Hamas leaves, their life gets a lot better. And the other thing is these videos being proudly put up by Hamas about how they're doing. And if you look at what, what Hamas fighters, they're wearing jeans and T-shirts. I ask you this question. When we hear numbers about civilian casualties in this war, and the Israelis say we're doing everything to prevent them, but one of these guys that is wearing jeans and a T-shirt firing at the Israelis as part of Hamas's army, when they're found dead, are they considered a civilian because they're wearing civilian clothes? Could be. And in an interesting contrast, before we go to break, Israel revised its death count from 400 down to 1,200. So when people try to make this equivalency, oh, Hamas numbers are just as phony as Israeli numbers. The Israelis found 200 bodies that turned out after DNA testing it was so badly burnt and decomposed or whatever it is, turned out to be the terrorists, not not Israelis. They modified their numbers down. You think Hamas Health Administry is doing that? I don't think so. 
So a lot going on and also a lot going on here domestically. We're going to get to more of it in your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222 at 4 o'clock. Curtis Lee comes in for left versus right. The gleeful Curtis Lee when I talk about what it means that Eric Adams had his cell phone seized. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. And the river opens for the righteous. And the river opens for the righteous. And the river opens for the righteous. And the river opens for the Welcome back. I am a patriot. I love my country. That is little Stephen bringing us back in. This is Veterans Day. 77 WBC listeners support veterans and their families this Veterans Day by donating to the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. All you have to do is go to wabcradio.com slash T2T to donate. The Tunnels to Tower Foundation, they do all they can to support the veterans of our great country. Show your support for them this Veterans Day and go to wabcradio.com slash T2T and donate. Also, 77 WABC is proud to support the Lee Greenwood concert experience this Sunday, November 12th. That's tomorrow. You can send a veteran and their guest to see Lee, Green- Lee Greenwood's all-star concert experience and receive the DVD version for yourself for a $50 contribution. Learn more and support a veteran now at adoptavet.com. It's so great to have you along. We're going to be getting into some of the legal stuff of the, this week. One legal thing, I'll give you a little tease one legal thing we're going to talk about is in a a ruling, a filing, the court in District of Columbia has notified Donald Trump's lawyers that if they intend to use the advice of counsel defense, they have to let the world know um, in a filing by January so that the prosecution can prepare for that. So why is that significant? We're going to talk about more of this at the top of the hour. 
Because if he says he is, then that means he's going to be saying that, basically Rudy, uh, blaming Rudy Giuliani and his lawyers. And that's obviously not good for them. So, but we talk about that more at the top there. Then at four o'clock, Curtis Lewa comes in, talk about another legal issue. Our mayor here in New York City, Eric Adams, is in some hot water and some real bad indications about how hot it could be. But let's go to some calls. We're talking about Hamas. We're talking about how the, Dem- the Democrats and Republicans fared on Election Day, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Let's start us off with David in Brooklyn. Hey, David, welcome back. Hi, David. Hello. Hi. Anthony, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, when when one side or another tends to gain uh, momentum, it seems to be because they have a backing, big backing of money. And I don't I don't think uh, I don't think that it's not to be considered the amount of money that the United States gives to the abortion um circle you know they get 500 million dollars every year and a big chunk of that goes to you know supporting protests and crowds and et cetera, et cetera. just by the same token that iran and our maybe what 16 billion that we gave to iran uh goes to a lot of the protests in this country well i don't i don't know i mean the first thing is look there's a lot of money on Either side, but there's probably more money in the anti-abortion side trying to stack the courts and pass initiatives. But, but, but look, all you can do at the end of the day, David, is that when you have referenda where voters get to go and express their support or opposition to something, you can say, well, one side spent more money. There's so much money in politics right now, but I want to tell you, I don't think the issue of abortion, how many ads do you have to send? And thank you for calling, David. How many ads do you have to spend to convince someone who's pro-choice to be pro-life? I mean, I don't think that happens. I think you can spend a million dollars on ads, and for each person, I don't think it's going to change. I think people hold those positions very deeply. But here's the where Republicans get into trouble, in my view. Is the brand of the party used to be conservative small government. What is bigger government than telling a, an American woman, a, a Republican or an independent or a Democratic woman, what she can and can't do with her own body. And that they're, and that the Republican Party has a moral position that they're going to adhere to. That's the problem that they have. It's a branding problem, I think. Let's go to Vinny in Massapequa. Hey, Vinny. Hi, Andy. Let me take you, let me take you off speaker here. Take myself. Uh, hi, Andy. You know, so I, uh, I, I never liked you at first, you know, but I've come to really appreciate you. And I'll tell you why, because you're a smart guy. And I'm also in a recovery program, and I've learned how to listen to other other people, you know, and you educate me. You know, on the abortion issue, the Republicans should just back off of that. It's got, they're shooting themselves in the foot, and they're losing the votes from, from women. And, right, women do have a right to do what they want with their bodies. I would like to see some kind of middle of the road where first trimester, I'm all down with that first trimester, and uh, and maybe tie that in with a sonogram so the woman can see the baby, yeah. you know, and no, uh, I, I think that and, there's a lot of room for that kind of look, Vinny, I think, and I appreciate the, the, the kind words I've, I've, I've liked you right from the beginning. Look, I think the idea though, of the Republicans have now, you know, look, Roe v. Wade, whatever you think of the reasoning to it, 
kind of became established law in the country and it kind of everyone settled into kind of this not terribly perfect but workable compromise that had become part of American life. When the Republicans made it their jihad to kind of get that overturned, I think now, and they've said, go back to the states. At least that was an intellectually honest position. But now that it's at the states, it's hard to make it just kind of go away. And I think most voters are in the position where that we're learning is that there should be a right, that a woman should have the right in these states. Now, it's not every state. I'm sure some states it will eventually go down. But basically, it's every state that's had a chance to speak on this and let the public speak. The rights of a a woman to choose has been uh, protected. Let's go to Mario in Manhattan. Hey, Mario. Hey, Anthony. Rapid fire, because I have a lot of things to say. Basically, Eric Adams... Uh, burn, crash, and explode. He was a crooked cop. He was a juvenile delinquent. He's a racist. He's an anti-Semitic. And on top of it, he and Hochul and Biden and Harris want to house uh, unvetted men of military age, countries who hate our guts, on Staten Island and Fort Wadsworth, the oldest U.S. military still active. And while we're on Veterans Day, most of the chain national restaurants are offering a complimentary free appetizer or main course or dessert, Applebee's, Red Lobster, the Red Lobster, uh, Ruby Tuesdays, Olive Garden, even Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme. I hope my brother and sister Mary. All right, Mario, Mario, yeah. let me let me let me take your your first your first. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the Eric Adams problems in the second hour, um, but there's no doubt about it. He's in he's in some hot water, and as far as you know, the unvetted. Um, unvetted coming in to, to live at Fort Wadworth. You know, in the in President Biden's urgent supplemental that he wanted funds for Israel, funds for Ukraine, funds for Taiwan to stand up to China, and the fourth piece was more money to vet people who are coming here and saying that they're here declaring asylum so they get hearings right away and do get vetted, and the Republicans refuse to take it up. So I think you should call your congressman or woman and say, listen, take up the president's Supplemental because it has stuff in it that we need. I've tried to explain this about immigration before. I don't believe that that Republicans want to fix the problem of immigration. If they did, there's plenty of things that they can agree on with Joe Biden right now. I think they like having the issue. But we saw in the midterm elections last time and we saw on the elections this year that the issue, the 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 brand of the Republican brand is so badly beat up because they don't seem to want to do anything to solve problems. But I think immigration is a place that we can do a deal. I do. I really do. Let's go to Richard in Texas. Hey, Richard, welcome back. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Anyway, um, you know, um, we're pretty much in sync with uh, Hamas, Israel, and uh, what's happening. So uh, I don't really uh, argue that point, uh, because obviously I'm extremely pro-Israel, and I know the good guys from the bad guys. But it's very important when you evaluate something, which you failed to do in the very beginning. You poo-pooed the size of the demonstrations, and uh, you really misread it. And you, unfortunately, I hate to say it about you, I do like you, but you misread a lot of things in the beginning. And this, uh, you know, if you look at history, uh, Russia czar uh, misread the Lenin revolutionary, and we all know what happened there. King George misread the uh, people in America who wanted to fight for uh, freedom. He misread them, and we know what happened there. 
and uh, probably Batista, I'm not an expert in Cuban politics, uh, misread Castro, and we all know what happened there. And of course, history is full of misreading things like this. But when uprisings start the way they did, I knew right away this was very serious, was going to get much bigger. Would you agree that you misread that whole thing? Well, I don't if you if the, if the references to the uprising, I don't know what uprising. You mean the protests that are going on, the pro-Palestinian up, uh, um, uh, protests? No, I kind of said at the very beginning, I said we have a real problem on the American left, particularly with young people. And I think that I but I and I also called the uprising that occurred in 2017 when women stood up and had the march on Washington after Donald Trump got elected and said he's not going to get reelected because women finally got the message. And I was right about that. I mean, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, yes, we have a problem. The only thing that I have said, and I appreciate you calling Richard, the thing that I have said that might come across as minimizing is these people that are out there protesting don't know what they're talking about and have no influence in terms of they're not policymakers. I just said that the policymakers, Democrats and Republicans alike, understand this issue well enough. And so these young people don't, and they're misunderstanding it at their own peril. But there's a lot of them. I get it. There's a lot of them. And we'll be right back on The Middle. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. This is Anthony Weiner. That's MIA bringing us back in. Paper planes. You know, another thing, and I, I mentioned we're going to do it at the top of the hour, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. At the top of the hour, we're going to do the legal recap of the week. We probably need more than an hour between Trump appearing on the stand, Eric Adams appearing apparently in a search warrant. Well, one more legal thing with, with Trump, another little item that came up this week. Last week... Or the week before, I did an episode of The Middle Unplugged arguing that they should broadcast his trials. There's a Sixth Amendment right to a speedy and public trial. And a public trial doesn't do any good if you can't really see it. There's a policy now not to broadcast federal trials. I thought that they should. Interestingly, they asked the court, got a petition from a whole bunch of media outlets saying, open this up, let's show it anyway. And the judge didn't say no and said, let's see what Donald Trump and the prosecution has to say. Donald Trump, to his credit, said, broadcast this bad boy. Now, I know what he thinks. He thinks, oh, I'm going to be able to we'll ever convince everyone that there was whatever. But good for him. 
the prosecution on the other side has come out against it. I'm in favor of what I think Donald Trump is right. And here's one of my arguments is this. And I said that we we're going to talk about this top of the hour. We're talking about it a little bit now. But one of my arguments is I'm the victim. The victim should get a chance to see this trial. I'm the victim because anyone who voted for Joe Biden, which is the majority of the country, or the plurality of the country, they were the ones who were having their vote taken away. So I should be allowed to see it. Obviously, I can't go sit in a courtroom with all 51 million people or whatever it was, 61 million people. So that's part of my argument. Uh, let's go to Chris in Long Island. Hey, Chris, welcome aboard. Hi, Anthony. Um, uh, as far as the anti-Semitism, let me ask your opinion. When I hear people go, stop it, and we're going to outlaw it, that really doesn't deal with the problem, right? I mean, it's really, it's more of a mindset than anything. So laws really don't do anything other than keep the the, the idea underground. Would you agree with that? I have real problems with censuring people for what they say, even if it's stupid. Like, Chris, let me ask you, how far are you prepared to go? You think they should have censured that that congresswoman who said who who said anti-Israel and anti-Semitic things on the floor of Congress? Should she have been censured, in your view? No, but I think somebody like you should be censured because there's a convicted sex offender talking about how you're hanging around with your son at his hockey games. I don't know why you're allowed to be with children. Well, I don't have any restrictions on that. I was not found guilty of anything to do with contacts with children, but I appreciate it, Chris. I'm, I, I have, you know, oh, the other thing we want to talk about in the legal part of this was the experience that I had with, you know, you know, Eric Adams had his, his cell phone seized on the street. You know, I had nothing to hide. I didn't have anything on my, on my cell phone or laptop or anything like that. I didn't have my crime had nothing to do with, with children. Or nothing to do with contacting them or anything. It was obscenity. But I want to tell you something. When they called me and they called my lawyers, we said, sure, we'll hand over his stuff. And they came to my house and they got it. So the fact that they stopped Eric Adams, we'll talk about this at the top of the hour, where they, they stopped Eric Adams on the street and seized his stuff. And we're going to talk about this with Curtis at 4 o'clock. It tells me that they thought he was going to do something to obstruct their investigation. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a very hot and heavy-handed kind of thing to do. Um, and, you know, because let's face it, I mean, I mean, think about that. The mayor of the city of New York had a search warrant served in a public place. Pretty heavy stuff. I mean, I don't know any more than anyone else, but, but you know, the experience that I had, it was the same southern district, they said, listen, he's been accused, you've been accused of these things. Let's get your devices. They returned them. They said, we didn't find anything on here. Um, now, did they still say we're going to charge you because you're a public figure and you're in the newspaper and you used obscene language? Yes, they did. And I accepted responsibility and I still do to this day. Uh, next, let's go to, uh, Mario on Staten Island. Hey, Mario. Hi, uh, Anthony. I was wondering uh, what you think of uh, my proposition about the um, the hostages held in uh, Gaza. Why not uh, release them in uh, in exchange for the uh, Israelis releasing? I believe there are more than seven thousand uh, Palestinian uh, Palestinians in uh, Israeli jails, mostly held without charge. I, I don't. So I mean, look, yeah, but the, the Palestinians that look the here's the here's the problem. I, uh, first of all, it's not up to you or to me, Mario, to like say who should do what. Um, now you can say, here's the problem. The problem is when a terrorist organization engages in kind of warfare against your country, like lobs missiles or 
shoots at a soldier or something like that is a different type of thing than when they cross the border, slaughter babies, non-combatants, and and victimize true civilians like Hamas did in this attack of, of October 7th. Now, what the Israelis would say is the people that we're holding in our jails are people that engaged in something resembling combat. They attacked our soldiers, for example. Or they, or we captured them as they were making bombs or something like that. They are kind of more traditional prisoners of war. So the Israelis might say, we're not going to do anything that treats babies and people who went to a peace festival as being the same as a combatant. But all that being said is it's not up to you, it's not up to me. It's up to the people of Israel and their military the same way when we get attacked. It's up to us how we're going to prosecute that war. And I think what the Israelis have said is, look, if you want the, if you want to have anything resembling an out here, you've got to return our hostages with no conditions. And even people on the Palestinian side that have proposed some kind of a two-state solution said it has to start with Hamas releasing the hostages. Those are not prisoners of war. Those are just straight-up hostages. And let's go to Joy in Connecticut. Hey, Joy. Hello? Hello. Hi, Joy. What happened to Bo Deedle? What happened to Bo what happened to Bo Deedle? He's not on WABC anymore in the morning or anywhere. Well, you got it. You have to check in with Sid on that. I mean, Sid is the master of that universe. Um, but I don't I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, look, by the way, not for nothing, Joe, I could disappear from this microphone in a minute. This microphone be- belongs to you guys, the listeners. John and Margo Katsimatis and Chad Lopez, you know, you couldn't be, you don't have a right to this. Even Curtis Slewa, ABC always broadcasting Curtis, or as I like to say, God, anyone but Curtis. But it's really up to the number one, the host of the number one radio show in the, in, in the country right now, which is Sid Rosenberg, who has been, I, I don't agree with Sid on a lot of stuff. He is sometimes one fry short of a happy meal, but he has been steadfast on this Israel stuff and God bless him. I mean, he does this blaming of Joe Biden. Like, you cannot have a more stronger, steadfast friend of Israel than Joe Biden. And he's just, he's incapable of seeing that his party is going down the crapper with people like Mace or whatever her name is. But he has been a rock on Israel, and I'm glad he's on the air. As far as Bo Deedle, you got to call and ask him. This is Anthony Weiner. It's the middle. We'll be right back on the other side. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Too much fun. You and me and our memories. 
This is Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. This is us, Mark Knopfler and Emmy Lou Harris, bringing us back in. Great to have you along on this Veterans Day. One of the ways that we can celebrate veterans and to keep them in our thoughts is by taking one of them, pull them aside, and ask them to a little bit about their experience. A lot of them don't like to talk about it. They're Some of them are modest about it. Some of them are trying to put it out of their memory, but many of them are eager to tell you a little bit about what they experienced. That's the way we pass along the oral history. My dad didn't talk much. You guys know my dad passed back in June. He didn't talk much about it, but he had an interesting thing. He was a member of the presidential honor guard. Um, he used to jokingly say that he was the the Jewish guy in the honor guard. You know, they have members from all the branches. And uh, But this is, you know, we are at the point now, I heard Steve Moore mention this, that there are very, very few World War II veterans around. But there are many veterans of the other wars. And there are also American Legion halls you can walk into, Jewish war veterans, Catholic war veterans halls. You can just knock on the door and walk on in. Say hello to some of the fellows there. I remember when I was in Congress, those meetings, those places were were the places you saw real American patriotism on display. And so today's Veterans Day. I encourage you to... Take advantage of it. And if you're someone like me who is trying to find a way in to have these conversations with an 11-year-old or with a 12-year-old, you're going to be 12 next month. You know, one of the ways to to have the conversation is to pose the idea of like, well, should we have mandatory military service or at least mandatory service in our country like they do in Israel? Or is a volunteer army the way you keep the most powerful army, the most powerful military in the world, you know, people are being conscripted to go fight in Ukraine. The Ukrainians are fighting willingly to defend their their homeland. Many people think the reason we have such a profoundly amazing military and it does such a good job is that people want to be there. They choose to be there. But who is making that choice? Overwhelmingly, they're people of color. Overwhelmingly, they're lower income. Overwhelmingly, they're people that don't have a lot of other opportunities. And they, are, and they are on the front line for us, and we should honor them. And that's why some of some of this fight, you know, this Senator Tuberville is holding up all of these, all of these promotions. He says because he wants there to be, I guess, he doesn't like the restrictions that they. He wants there to be restrictions on whether you can, if you're in the military, you can get an abortion. And part of what the military is saying to him and to and many and Democrats, Republicans overwhelming believe this is that, look, you've got to be able to recruit by saying this is a good place to work. It's a hard job. It's a challenging job. It's a job that we need. But if you're a woman and you need reproductive health care, you're going to get it if you're in the military. Now, that was never an issue before when there was Roe v. Wade because you had a national right to it. It was in it was a constitutional right. Now that it's not anymore, the military has been saying to its to its women that if you need these services, we're going to provide them, even if they're, you're in a state that it's not legal in, because we're the military, we'll take care of you. And this guy, Senator Tuberville of Alabama, says, oh, I'm outraged at that. I'm not going to let any any promotion go through if that's going to be the policy. And so I don't see any reason not to have that conversation a little bit too. You know, How do we make sure that the military is paid well, their health care is taken care of, when there are issues like burn pits, 
that are being used to burn things on on compounds all around the the world, and then military people come up with with illnesses because of it that we take care of them, we make good by them, and for their families. And sometimes you say oh, these keep politics out of it. And I don't know if politics means standing up and fighting for things that you believe in, like I think you, I do, and and the listeners to the middle do. One of the things we can do to serve our veterans is to make sure that our elected officials live up to the commitment that we made to them when they signed up and also make it possible for the generals to go out and do their recruiting. So we salute our veterans today on Veterans Day. At the top of the hour, another hour to go. On top of the hour, we're going to get in some of the legal things that have gone on. Donald Trump had kind of a rough week. His family had to testify. Talk a little about that civil trial so you understand what happened there. Hunter Biden may be facing a subpoena along with the president's brother. And obviously Eric Adams, the mayor of the most important city on the globe, was met by FBI agents on the street. The FBI agents asked his security detail to step aside. And they seized his electronic devices. Heavy stuff. That doesn't usually happen to a mayor. But maybe it's just politics. We'll talk about that at the top of the hour. It's Anthony Weiner. It's the middle. So great to have you along. We'll see you on the other side of the news break. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner, Ava is on the board across the way. Christian taking your calls at 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We talked in the first hour about some international affairs, talking about what's going on with Hamas and Israel. And this hour we're going to talk a little bit about the hot water that Donald Trump is in. If you want to reach out to me, an email, Weiner, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. On X Twitter at Rep Wiener and Anthony D Wiener on threads. I think Instagram. I don't think I have it. something like that. And of course, you can call here. If you miss any part of this episode, it gets posted as a podcast almost immediately after the show. And you can subscribe there as well as to the middle unplugged and a lot of other great stuff on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So I said this was a bad week for Donald Trump. He came and testified in what could turn out to be the most important case. <clears throat> It's a civil case 
which means that it's not, he can't go to jail for it, but his, the guts, the meat of his business, his ability to do business in New York is at stake because he is accused and has been already found guilty of committing fraud in filing of documents. And just to kind of refresh everyone how this started, it, I know a lot of people said, well, the attorney general of the state of New York, she ran on a platform of getting Donald Trump. And I said I was going to check on that. I went back and looked at the videos. Sure did. She said I was going to hold Donald Trump accountable for anything that he did. But it didn't start there. It started going back even further to 2018, I want to say, when Michael Cohen testified before Congress and went there with chapter and verse of all the things that Donald Trump had done wrong. And the whole country learned about it and then the New York Times got a hold of Donald Trump's tax forms and then all these other documents became public. And so what essentially he's accused of doing and is fraudulently raising the value of how much he had, how much money he had, and the value of his properties. If you have more value in your properties, you can borrow more against them. If you have more personal money, you get lower interest rates because it's less of a risk to lend to you. You understand all that. So he was found, already found that fraud was committed. But this phase of the trial is to decide, well, what to do about it. Basically, it's kind of a version of the penalty phase. And do you think Donald Trump cares a lot about this? You better believe it. He's been showing up like every day in court just about, even though he doesn't have to until now. He's testified. He didn't even have to testify, but he's doing so. And this week he took the stand. He took the stand on Monday. And I guess it couldn't have gone any worse for him in a way. He made a lot of speeches and pontificated about, you know, it's how unfair it all was. But when it come down to the evidence on the piece of paper that the Court of Appeals is going to look at, he was asked, did he make these statements on these financial forms because he was trying to induce banks to lend him money? And he said, yes, that's a confession. If he said, oh, I didn't know it was going to be used for that or I don't understand how this all works or I was so far out of it, I didn't know. But he kept saying that he was responsible and he did it because he was trying to get loans. That's what's called a key admission. Now, he threw out a bunch of other stuff, and I've heard some people echo it on the radio here. He said that this clause at the bottom of the contract, the bottom of these filings that says this is the truth and it's the best and you can rely upon this. He said, well, that's worthless. That clause, that's completely worthless. Well, if that was the case, that it w- was meaningless, then anyone could just lie whatever they want and just put that meaningless clause on there. Of course it has some meaning. And the court, if, if the court would have said, we agree with you on that, then why we even, why would anyone, no, you can never accuse anyone of fraud. And by the way, that had already been ruled on by the court. So he said, oh, that clause is meaningless. Well, the court obviously thinks that it's not. And think about it. You can hyperinflate everything and, and sign at the bottom says this is true. And this, ah, no one really believes when I said it was true. The other things that he says, again, these are just the public things that he's saying that really don't impact the case very much. He's saying all the loans were paid off. Nobody was hurt. But that's not right because, because he lied. He was able to maybe take away loan opportunities from someone that told the truth. If he got an advantage because that paid a lower rate or borrowed money that someone else normally would have been able to get who told the truth, then that could have been a loan opportunity someone else had. So, of course, lying and fraud, you know, makes a difference. And then he said, I would have gotten the loans anyway uh, because I'm Donald Trump. I would have gotten those loans anyway. It could be, but the question is about 
did you gain an advantage by telling these lies? And when asked on the stand, him and his kids, well, why did you do that? It's some, sometimes the kids said smart things like, ah, I didn't really wasn't paying that much attention. But Donald Trump basically couldn't go offer a good answer. And the funniest, maybe the single funniest thing about his testimony, he has this triplex in Trump Towers that he said was 30,000 square feet. It's actually 10,000, right? So he was asked about this on the stand, and then the 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 um, attorney for the state said, "How big is your apartment?" He says, "About ten thousand square feet." And then later on, he said eleven thousand square feet, and then he said twelve thousand. He was like inflating it right on the stand in front of the judge. Kind of, my dad used to do this joke when I'd say, "Dad, can uh, can I have five dollars?" He'd say, five dollars? What do you want three dollars for? I don't have two dollars." And like, but that, anyway. And then he made this other argument about the statute of limitations, which has also already been ruled on. It said, I took out these loans so long ago. Yes, but each year you have to recertify what your net worth is and you lied on those two. So he admitted it. He's going to be found guilty of this. The only, I mean, he's found guilty of the fraud already. The only question now is, is he going to be banned? One of the things that can happen is he can be banned from ever doing business in New York City, which would be really bad for him. Um, cause he doesn't have all the lot, he doesn't have a lot else. He doesn't have his TV stuff anymore. His golf courses are all in, uh, are all, um, in the negative. He's got Mar-a-Lago, but that's basically just a fancy catering hall. And most of his real estate here doesn't make him much money. It's a four, uh, a 40 wall does. That makes him a lot of money. So anyway, that happened. Another thing that happened to Donald Trump this week was, uh, I mentioned this briefly. His lawyers, have thrown out a ton of different ideas in public statements about how Donald Trump is going to defend himself from this idea that when the courts had all decided in all the 50 states and the legislatures had decided who won the presidential campaign, they set out on this conspiracy. It is alleged. They set on this conspiracy to seat false electors, to try to get your uh, pence, not to seat the real ones, not to count the real ones, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that his lawyers have sometimes said is, oh, his lawyers just gave him, were giving him advice. He followed the lawyers, the advice of counsel defense, which is not an airtight defense, but it is a defense. Well, the, in order to to bring that defense, you've got to show that you were indeed following the advice of counsel, and you've got to show that other lawyers didn't tell you other things, etc. And so the court said, the judge said, if you're going to bring that defense, we have to leave some extra time to do some discovery, and so that the prosecution can get some witnesses and that kind of thing. And they said, you've got to decide this by January. Now, it seems like a long time to me, but it's a couple of months. Here's why this is important. It didn't get widely reported, but this is the one that Rudy Giuliani and that the other lawyers, Jenna Ellis and these other lawyers who are accused, are watching very carefully. Because it is, is Donald Trump going to turn and aim at his fellow co-conspirators? And if that happens... It's going to be bad news for the other attorneys, for the attorneys in the case, but it's also probably going to be bad news for Donald Trump because those attorneys will probably say, no, we're going to tell the president, we're going to testify that we didn't tell the president this was a lawful thing to do and it's going to get very messy. But that'll be interesting to keep an eye. Another thing I mentioned very briefly was the idea that Donald Trump and his lawyers said to the court they did not want this thing to be televised. I'm sorry, they did want it to be televised, and I agree with them. I think it should be. So that is in the 
in in the uh, the legal drama of Donald Trump. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And the Democrats, they didn't have a great time either. Joe Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and his brother, Hunter's uh, Joe Biden's brother, going to be subpoenaed by the House of Representatives. But the new speaker apparently told a group of moderate Republicans, like the ones within the listening area of WABC, that we don't have enough to move forward on impeachment. We just have... We have smoke, but we don't have any fire, so we're not going to do that. We'll wait and see. But they're going to subpoena Hunter Biden, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Also, we're still waiting, still waiting for the Joe Biden special prosecutor on his handling of classified materials. And I think it's going to, have to it's got to come soon. Good grief. It's a much smaller number, and, and we haven't heard anything. That special prosecutor we should hear from soon. And then closer to home is Eric Adams. Um, and his top fundraiser are being investigated. Fundraising investigations happen. There's a lot of laws regarding fundraising, a lot of, a lot of potential places you can get tripped up. You are not allowed to exchange a fundraising donation for an official act of, of your office. That's called a quid, quo, a quid pro quo. You're not allowed to do that. There are limits on how much you can accept. You cannot accept money from a foreign national under any circumstances. And then there's the laws governing New York City, which provide you taxpayer dollars to run your race if you agree to follow certain rules. One of those rules is you get money from small donors, from individuals who live in the city. And there is some reporting that they try to get money from foreign nationals from Turkey or a company that does business here or whatever. So all of that is fairly, I mean, that happens. But the thing that is unusual is the report Obviously, the fundraiser being subpoenaed and having her place raided with a search warrant. That's news. But to find out the next chapter of news was that Eric Adams had his, his devices seized in this very public place. I'll tell you my experience. So I was accused of doing things. I knew that what I was accused of I had not done, but I was being cooperative. The, I said to the, my lawyer said to the, the Southern District of New York, say, if you want my devices and you get a um, a warrant to seize them, we will just turn them over to you. You need to come to my house. We'll deliver them to you. And so they took my laptop and they took, remember the famous laptop, and they took my phone and they even took the router from my house so that they can see if it had. And they came to my house and, you know, they knew I had a kid there and so they did it when a time when my son wasn't there, et cetera, et cetera. And they were very professional and whatever. Now, to, they obviously thought that I I wasn't gonna I wasn't a risk to flee. They obviously thought that I I had no reason whatever it is you know there's ways of gathering information I I don't know but they that's what they did. The fact that they took it from from Adams in such a confrontational way leads me to believe that they thought he was either gonna destroy information or try to prevent them from getting it. And for them to do that means that they're, they really suspect something serious is going on. That's my speculation. And, you know, now I've heard, and so there's a story in the New York Post. Well, maybe Eric Adams is being targeted by the FBI because he's too close to Joe Biden. Yeah, and I was being targeted because I hated Donald Trump. And Hunter Biden is being targeted by the independent counsel who was, uh, who was appointed by Donald Trump. No, sometimes Corruption things are big fish. Politicians are big fish for prosecutors to go after. 
And to be pro-law enforcement means that you believe that when they go after you, you know, there's a reasonable belief that they think something happened. Not that everyone alleged did the crime, but you can't always cry. The New York Post literally has a story, an op-ed, an editorial. Oh, maybe they went after Eric Adams because he was too tough on Joe Biden. <laughs> Come on. It, it could just be he did a crime. And and I just want to reinforce this. Anthony Weiner, big target. Eric Adams, big target. Donald Trump, big target. Uh, here's a case. This week in Baltimore, a jury found Marilyn Mosby, who is the state's attorney, basically the attorney general. I'm sorry, the district attorney for Baltimore County. She was guilty of, of two counts of a crime. Do you know what she was found guilty of and charged with? Fibbing on a form, on a bank form, to withdraw retirement funds during the pandemic, saying that she had a hardship. Yeah, she might go to prison for that. She probably is going to go to prison for that. Two counts of perjury because she filed a form, a financial form, to, to withdraw money from her retirement fund, saying that she had a hardship during COVID. They found out that she didn't. So what's the point? The point I'm making is she's a big fish. She used to be a district attorney. She was this rising star in Baltimore. Anthony Weiner was in all the newspapers. Eric Adams is the mayor. Donald Trump is standing up saying, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And I'm not going to show you my tax forms, even though I promised you I would. And then someone goes and testifies in Congress and says that he did something. Yeah, when the higher the monkey climbs, the more you can see his ass. You don't get a special dispensation or it doesn't have to be something special. Prosecutors like prosecuting these kind of targets. And my judge, when she when she read all this stuff, I'm glad he's in recovery. There's no evidence that he had any contact with anyone. There's no physical evidence. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to get I'm going to get get probation or something. She says, but I have to give him a substantial prison sentence so that people realize that the higher standard when you're a politician, we have to set an example for other people. And I accept that. I accept that the standard was higher for me. I accept the standard is higher for Eric Adams. I accept the standard is higher for Donald Trump. But prosecutors, man, I don't know. They don't get everything right. They certainly don't. And this is alleged, alleged, alleged. I'm going to put those words in there so everyone hears it. But the idea that they only target you for political reasons, yes, they are target you because you are a prominent political figure. And that's why Santos is going to go to jail. It's not because he's a Republican and Biden is a Democrat. Look, I think the prosecutors hold a lot of cards and I think we should hold them to account. And I think the FBI, if you carry a badge, you should hold you account. And I think police officers that, that do wrong things, we should hold them to account. But I'm pro-law enforcement. And that means my instinct is to believe that the cops, the FBI, the immigration officers, the judges, the 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 prosecutors that they're doing what they think is right. And Eric Adams is going to have great a great lawyer. And I had a great lawyer. And Donald Trump can afford any lawyer on, on the planet Earth. But every response can't be, oh, it's political, it's political, it's political. And I saw Eric Adams doing a little bit of that. He did that back in 2019, I think it was, when he and some other state senators were found, maybe earlier than that, were found that they were, uh, 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 an inspector general report said they were spending too much time close to lobbyists. Just because you're an elected official, just because doesn't mean you're immune from being prosecuted. If anything, it means the standard is higher. And none, by the way, Eric Adams hasn't even been alleged to have done anything yet. 
Norris's fundraiser. I mean, this, the best advice I can give to people who are like, oh, we think it's political this, it's, it's political that. So just to, if you didn't do the crime, you didn't do the crime. And you can, you know. Now, is the other thing. When the prosecutor says to you, like they said to me, okay, we have no physical evidence, but, you know, we're going to charge you with this crime. And if you plead guilty to it, you'll go away for 20, 21 months, something like that. If you don't plead guilty to it, we're going to go to trial on something as a mandatory minimum of five years. Pretty persuasive. <laughs> that's what that's what Santos is going to find out. It's pretty persuasive. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to the middle. 77 WABC listeners support veterans and their families this Veterans Day by donating to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. All you have to do is go to wabcradio.com slash T2T to donate. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation do all they can to support the veterans of our great country. Show your support for them this Veterans Day and go to wabcradio.com slash T2T and donate. Also, 77 WABC is proud to support the Lee Greenwood concert experience this Sunday, tomorrow, November 12th. You can send a veteran and their guests to see Lee Greenwood's all-star concert experience and receive the DVD version for yourself for a $50 contribution. Learn more and support a veteran now at adoptavet.com. So we're talking about the many legal travails in the news. You know, there's so much legal news coming over the transfer about Donald Trump. Let's just, you know, re- reset the bidding. He's accused of bribing a paying off hush money to a porn star in New York City. He has a state case in Georgia, a conspiracy case for subverting the election, for attempting to subvert the election and also for breaking into voting devices there, conspiracy case. Then he has a case in South Florida where he took documents that he wasn't permitted to have, didn't return them when asked for them and is on trial, uh, and also shared them with people who didn't have security clearances. And then in, in Washington, it is a case around him uh, uh, hatching a conspiracy and engaging in it to subvert the election and to overturn the, the, with the will of the American people. All of those things are alleged. 
but there's all kinds of dates going back and forth, proceedings that are happening that are kind of slowly but surely revealing a little bit about what information both sides has, what the schedule will be, and we'll try to keep you up to date as we go. So let's go back to the phones. We've got Al and Yonkers. Hey, Al, welcome back. Oh, good afternoon, Congressman. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say in regards to Eric Adams, uh, you know, it's a serious situation when the FBI comes. They tell the in- intelligence division his security detail to step aside and take his phone. Uh, initially, when he went to Washington and came back as a, a politician yourself who served for over a decade, uh, to come back impulsively like that was probably a mistake. Sometimes we can't have that. I mean, we can't help that. We're all different individuals. And this situation reminds me somewhat, but uh, he was never implicated in it. But Ed Koch in his third term had a lot of uh, problems with uh, corruption by his commissioners. You remember Bess Meyerson and Andy Caperso. Uh, unfortunately, the tragic uh, event with uh, Donald Maines. So uh, this is even worse because it actually involves the mayor. Yeah, so... Al, you've you've you read it the same way I do in terms of how serious this must have been. Look, you know, th- there was something that was leading him to turn around and come back without meeting at the White House, without keeping a schedule. Now, when he was asked about it, he said, listen, I have compassion for this member of my staff went through this very traumatic thing. I am a man as well as the mayor of the city, et cetera, et cetera. And then he was asked the follow up question. Well, what what did she say when you spoke to her? And he says, I didn't. So now I don't understand it. Now he came back just because he felt concerned. Was it to gather information that he needed or I don't know. It, it, it wasn't a great look. I assume much more will be revealed here. But yeah, but let's not get too far ahead of what this could be. It, it, it could be that he's not the subject of the investigation or the target of the investigation, that he is just someone that they wanted, you know, that she sent information to him and wanted to confirm it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it is. But it definitely is not a good look. Definitely is not a good look. Uh, next, let's go to Bob and Yonkers. Hey, Bob, thank you for holding on. Anthony, I got a question for you. Concerning the atomic bomb, how come we haven't taken it out yet? How come this country had an, had an attack on Iran if we're so concerned about it? Well, they've learned their lesson. In the 1980s, uh, thank you, Bob, in the 1980s when Iran was doing its development of nuclear weapons, we did indeed take out their facility. The Israelis, not we, the Israelis knocked out their facilities. So what did they do since then? Since then, they started to do their their nuclear development far below ground. And so it is so it's less susceptible to being knocked out by an attack. Um, and so one of the accomplishments of the Iran nuclear deal. And again, I've, I've got concerns about it. I don't think it was a perfect thing was that unless we're able to go in there and see exactly what's going on, we're never going to know what they're doing. And they said, we'll take the deal. If you lift some of the sanctions against us, which had been successful in stopping them, from, we will um, let the international community, including the Trump administration, come in to confirm that we've stopped developing nuclear weapons. And they had. The international community, including, like I said, the intelligence community of the Trump administration, said, yep, they have stopped doing that. Now we don't know because now since we walked away from the from the deal, now those inspections are not happening and we don't know. But knocking out Iran's capabilities is easier said than done. And if you maybe you're one of these people who thinks that we should attack Iran, <laughs> I don't know how much appetite there is for us attacking another Middle East country that starts with the letter I. 
I think we attacked the wrong one in, in 2003. If you ask me. Uh, let's go to Max in Manhattan. Hey, Max, thank you for calling us. Yeah, uh, Anthony, let me ask you. I think we should acknowledge the, uh, you got a, several people in jail from the January 6th uh, fiasco who were just, many of whom were just voicing their opinion. And now they're being held in shackles in jail, um, sometimes not being given food for three days and uh, driven around in a truck with being shackled. Who who uh, who is who who hasn't been fed for three days? Well, Owen Schroyer and Enrique Tarrio. They haven't been fed in three days. Where'd you hear that? Well, uh, I don't know if I if I tell you where I heard it, you'd probably disconnect me and then. No, and, no, uh, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to make a point. I'm trying to make a point for our listening audience. Go ahead. Tell me where you heard it. No, no. It's <laughs> it's true. Owen Schroyer and Enrique Tarrio. They've both been held. Well, those people, by the way, given- those people are not being yelled for anything they said. <clears throat> are they? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. Those the last people, question. No, no, that was my fault. I was coughing. Um, they, they, those two are not being held. You said people are being held for for having free speech. That's not what they were held for. They they, they conspired to to um to 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 uh, to, to to riot and 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 committed acts of of sedition. They didn't. That's what they're charged with. No, no, they, they were didn't. found guilty of that by their peers, well, by a jury. Okay, but they didn't. They can. You can easily be found of. Uh, I mean, you want to accuse a, a ham sandwich? Uh, no, no. This is a jury. This is not. A, no, that that's an expression for who gets indicted. They were found guilty by a jury of their peers. If you don't believe in the jury system, what system do you choose? It's not a matter of me not believing in the jury system. Right now, they were not. They're the Ricatario for walking around on the grounds is being given twenty-two no, years. No, no, he wasn't walking around. That wasn't. He, no one found him guilty of walking around. He was found guilty of sedition. Sedition, seditious conspiracy. That's not what happened. I mean, he can be found and be convicted as being guilty, but that's not what happened. Okay, so if, if that didn't happen, how are we going to decide? If we're not going to let juries decide, who's going to decide? We're going to leave it to you, Max? Well, uh, that might be a good choice. Not right now. <laughs> I feel you. I feel I appreciate your honesty about that, Max. Well, it's either we have either two. We have two choices in this country the way I, I see it. We have a adversarial system of courts and laws and judges, or we have Max. What, what, which one are we going to use? I don't know. I'm torn. Max is a nice guy. He's a caller. He called us in. He said stuff. He said he's not guilty. That this, the, Someone who was found guilty of seditious conspiracy wasn't, fa- you know, he doesn't believe it. And this is the problem. When people say, oh, I don't, you know, they're targeting Donald Trump or whatever. Okay, if, if he didn't do the stuff he's accused of, the only place we're going to find that out is in a jury, is in a, a, a trial with a judge and an adversarial system where you get your own lawyer and he's got the best. No one is in jail for what they said. No one has been convicted of the, of the, I think it's 800, 800 people, maybe it's a thousand by of people for what they said. If you bashed a cop over the head with a flagpole or sprayed bear mace at him or broke into the Capitol, or cross the police line, or vandalized something, or whatever it is, that's not speech. doesn't matter what you were saying at the time that you hit the cop. It doesn't matter what you were saying at the time that you broke into the United States Capitol. It's not speech. When you conspire, when you bring a weapon, when you bring, and when you conspire to, to overturn the election, 
and to take the Capitol by force and to chase United States senators out of there and to and to say, you know, and to to go and threaten and threaten the the vice president. And you go on the grounds of the Capitol and don't turn around when cops say turn around and you beat them up instead. That's not speech. That's a crime. And the people that found you guilty of that crime were other United States citizens who were on an impaddled jury. And the people that are going to get to decide whether Donald Trump should have given back those documents in Florida are American citizens. It was a grand jury that handed up their indictment of American citizens. It was a grand jury in Washington, D.C., of American citizens that handed up that indictment. That is the criminal justice system of the United States of America, the worst system in the world except for all the other ones. And we'll be right back. Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. That's little Steven, little Steven Van Zandt. You might know him from The Sopranos or from the E Street Band. That's I Am a Patriot. Great anthem song. So we're doing kind of a legal wrap-up of the week's events. Hunter Biden's going to be subpoenaed, but probably they'll find out just what they found out for the last, what, five years of this investigation. That the guy traded on his father's name, peddled influence, but Joe Biden had nothing to do with it. And if we are going to start to throw the book at kids of famous people who made money because of their connections to power, that's a better, better, better get prepared to fill up a bunch of jail cells because that goes on in Washington all the time. You've got former members of Congress. You've got kids of members of Congress. You've got wives of members of Congress and administration officials. It's not great. I mean, access, selling of access and selling of influence and the presumption of innocence 
Now, the presumption of influence is um, has been going on time immemorial. Uh, and we've also got Donald Trump stuff, which we, we're going to – that's one of the reasons we added a second hour to this show is there was so much of it and so much to talk about. And it looks like – is this name right? Scrapper? Scrapper, do I have that name right? Go ahead, Scrapper in Connecticut. Good, Anthony. I got to give you credit. But they all do uh, all this kind of stuff all over the planet. And if uh, Trump was a kind of a halfway ball player, they wouldn't never have bothered him. But they they hate him. And uh, that's all I could say. You heard of equal application of the law. Right. I'm sure. Yep. And uh, that's what the name of the game is. It's tough decisions for all the courts to decide or juries, but they they all do what he has done probably all his life. But he is he 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 uh, did quite a bit for this country when he was president and. Uh, I can't say much more about it. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But, you know, this equal application of the law, I guess what your implication is that they're targeting him when they wouldn't target someone else. I thought I, I thought I spoke about that in, in the last hour. Yeah, there's, or whenever earlier in the, in the program. Maybe that's right. But when you are the president of the United States and people are testifying in Congress that you were doing this kinds of cheating and you, you know, then the documents become public and it looks like you did. You can't just ignore it because he's president. You know, I've heard some people, by the way, I've spoken to a few. I know a lot of real estate people. When you run for mayor or you're a New York state city politician, you know a lot of real estate people. And they're like, you can't just go inflate your assets by 2,300%. You can't say you live in a, that your property is a, is a triplex that's 30,000 square feet when it's 10,000. He says, that's baloney. People don't do that kind of thing. That's, that's, that's fraud. Your lawyers would never let you do it. Let's hear what Janet in Bergen has to say. Hey, Janet, welcome back. Hi, thanks. I have to tell you something. You have to understand how the law works in the United States now. It's not what it used to be. Um, Donald Trump can say anything. You can go into a bank and ask for money and say, my property is worth, I need a mortgage, blah, 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 this and that. The bank does not listen to what you say. And it was called a, a banker on called your station and said no bank gives money on what you come in and say at all ever. So they you have can, their so, own people that Janet, work at the Janet, bank. Janet, let me ask you something. So you can lie if you want on a bank application? Do I what? Can you lie on a bank application? Do you might you could think that your wife is the most magnificent world woman in the world and sign a piece of paper saying yes. Right, but what if they, what if you had gotten it? What? But what your if you? Opinion. But Janet, is, but Janet, what if you had gotten an appraisal? You paid for one for your house. What if you got an appraisal and the appraisal came back and said your house is worth a hundred thousand dollars and you went into the bank and said I want to take a mortgage. It's worth five hundred thousand. Are you allowed to do that? The, but you know what? The bank won't give it to you. But Janet. Janet, are you allowed to file that kind of a lie? You can say whatever you want that's on not, a piece of paper. That's not right. That's it. not that's right. Janet, I told you the case of a former prosecutor in Baltimore County who's going to go to prison for lying on two applications to withdraw her own money from a retirement account. You can't lie on bank statement, on bank things. It's fraud. You can't do it. 
You're not allowed. It's a violation of the law. And I want to encourage anyone who's listening to this who thinks that, oh, you're allowed to do that. No, Janet's not right. You are not allowed to lie and commit fraud. Now, you can say you might get away with it. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not here to say you can't. I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But if you think it's legal, it's not. And by the way, listening to the – I didn't listen to it, but reading the testimony from last week – where, was, where Donald Trump and his kids, I ah, no big deal. Well, you can make that determination. You should know better if you don't know that it's the law that requires you to tell the truth. Then that, that's on you. You're a big, important company. You've got lawyers left and right. You, What Donald Trump did was this, what I just described to Janet. He went out and got appraisals of his properties. The appraisal came back and said, pick an, uh, pick an asset, say, Say 40 wall, $210 million it came back. And when he went in with that appraisal, when he had that appraisal done by himself, he paid for it. And then he went to the bank and said, this is worth $600 million. That's the definition of fraud. That's not, oh, I've got a subjective thing that just got it wrong. That's he was told it's something else and he changed it. And you just can't do that. And you don't think, and it's not Anthony Weiner who decided you can't do it. It's the law. <laughs> like, how far have we come? This is the law and order station here. People calling up and saying, yeah, lush more. Do whatever you want. It's, <laughs> where is that? How am I the toughest law and order guy on this station suddenly? Everyone else is like, ah, lush more. I, he got documents and showed it to someone who wasn't allowed to see it. Big deal. Ah, who cares? The FBI said, give it back. He said he did when he actually moved it into his bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. Ah, who cares? Really? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how did I, I, I? Look, I went to prison. I broke the law. I accept responsibility for it. This whole idea, like, oh, now everyone gets to say, you know, nah. Yeah, someone waited on hold to twenty minutes. Say, you know, I heard a banker the other day said it just doesn't matter. The bank has its responsibility to do due diligence. Uh, sure, I'm not, I'm fine with that. But does that mean then it's okay for you to say anything that you want? He lives in a ten thousand square foot apartment. He says it's thirty thousand square feet. He himself, Donald Trump, he himself went to Palm Beach County and said my asset at Mar-a-Lago is worth eighteen million dollars, and now he says it's worth one point three billion. A billion dollars when he can't develop it as anything else but a catering hall? Come on. You don't really believe that. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, you don't believe that, do you? Well, I don't know what I believe anymore, Anthony. But uh, first of all, I want to say that I'm really appreciating the fact that you're willing to talk about your misfortunes, however good or bad it is, and that's why I keep listening to you because, you, you know, you put it out there whether people like it or not, and that's something I like about you. Uh, but I need to disagree a little bit about these there being an adversarial system. Uh, at least now, Trump was indicted for a phone call eventually cleared. Biden is being subjected to a similar punishment. However, in Biden's situation, it appears less adversarial, at least to me, and more collusion by many parts of our system. What, what, but, Tom, before you go on, what, what do you mean he was indicted for a phone call? 
Well, that means he called Ukraine to find out if Biden was doing something. Uh, oh, you know, oh, oh, no, he wasn't indicted for that. And he got cleared, didn't he? No, he wasn't indicted for that. He was impeached for it, which is a political process for someone who, who you know, they were, with the allegations, he, he violated his oath and he... Whatever, but he he wasn't um, he was impeached for that, but it wasn't indicted. That that's not wasn't part of a judicial process. That turned out to be false. No, it did not turn out to be false. He was absolutely okay. he was uh, impeached for he was impeached for it. The Senate didn't think he should be thrown out of office for it. Well, but he wasn't right. I mean, like he was not. Thing, he, he was yeah. not. Mm-hmm. So, and and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, like whether it's Trump or Biden or whatever. My larger question is: Can we survive as a country if we keep heading in that direction? Because Usually, it's 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 we we supposed to have an adversarial system, but it doesn't really work that way, does it? Well, it totally does. I mean, I appreciate Dom, and thank you for the kind words and the great call. It definitely works that way in that the prosecutor in this case is an independent counsel, and then Donald Trump has his lawyers. He has very good, very competent lawyers, and the two sides meet, and they put their evidence out there, and you have a trial. And you have a jury of, of the peers or a judge who then adjudicates the facts. And that's this is the way the system is supposed to work. Donald Trump says, oh, they're only attacking me because I'm Donald Trump or I'm a candidate or whatever it is. And, and he, like a previous caller, apparently think there's some other way we're going to decide whether or not crimes were committed. What I can tell you, Dom, and all of my listeners is that some of these indictments are hard to read, but some of them are very easy to read. Go read the Mar-a-Lago one, the documents one. Very short. It reads like a little bit of a of a story. It's not that hard to read. And it's pretty damning. And if he did all those things, he's he should be held accountable just like if you were if you were a marine in Kansas who just went to prison for doing the same exact stuff with classified materials. So we'll see. And we'll be back after the break for a little more. Then at the top of the hour, Curtis Lee comes in for left versus right on this glorious Veterans Day. And we have a lot to talk about. Eric Adams, it seems to me, having more and more issues that might affect his reelection. If only I knew who was going to run against him on the Republican line. That would be interesting. We'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Anthony Weiner, that's Major Laser, bringing us back in. You know, all these years listening to radio, 
One of my pet peeves used to be back when I listened to WABC when it was an all-music station. Then I watched, listened to WNEW-FM, and for a while, PLJ was rock music. One of my real pet peeves was when they would not say who the artist was, because that was the only way to discover music was when it was played on the radio. And so I am now have a lot of discipline about always saying who the artist is, or usually playing, saying who the artist is when it comes back. And I just was reminded of that, that if I said to myself, I ever became a DJ, which of course I'm not, Vinny Madunio is a DJ, I would always remember to do that. So we're talking a little bit about uh, all the legal challenges for the Trumps and the Bidens and everyone else. we got time for a few more calls and then... Curtis Lewa comes in from four to five, left versus right. We're going to devote some time to the Eric Adams situation because it really is unique. Not unique, but it's unusual. And I checked with a couple of lawyers, a couple of criminal defense lawyers who deal with the feds, and they agreed this was not par for the course. Let's go to David in Ohio. Hey, David, welcome aboard. Yeah, hi. Excellent show. Uh, The big word that I have is apathy. I live in flyover country, 20 miles east of Columbus, Ohio. Everything's great out here. I can see New York City dying because of the crime, the crime and the subways. How do you go to work there? I can see L.A. dying, similar reasons. Out here in flyover country, everything is just hunky-dory. David, 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 can I ask you a question? When was the last time you were in New York City subway? Negative. Never been to New York City. Got a brother that lives over there in Rhode Island and and Boston. Well, that's great, but 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 don't don't believe the hype. Look, don't believe the hype. I mean, we are back to pre-pandemic levels on the subway. The subways are filled to the gills. Um, we bounce off each other like molecules in a microwave here in New York City. There's no doubt about it. And we have stuff going on, but we also have an an industry, a whole industry, of making everything seem terrible. We have tabloids in our city who, if it bleeds, it leads. Statistically speaking, crime is going down, not up. It is way safer than it was in the 90s. Crime is 40% lower than it was when Rudy Giuliani left office after we said how much he brought crime down. We, you know, our, the, the chance of you being a, a victim of crime in New York City, uh, the crime per 100,000 is probably lower than it is in, in many of the places in Ohio. We have a lot of people here. We have stuff going on all the time. And it ain't perfect. And any crime is too much crime. But this is not the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. We don't want it to be it that way. I love, I'm sure Columbus, Ohio, the suburbs of Columbus are very nice. But to call up and say, oh, my God, everything's so terrible in New York, we're okay. There are people whose very existence relies upon persuading people they should be scared, persuading people that things are terrible. We should always be struggling to make things better, no doubt about it. But we also have to be careful that we're not talking ourselves down. That we're not, you know, people are flying into New York City every day to visit from Columbus, Ohio. You spend any time at JFK because you're picking up someone from the airport. It's packed to the gills with people coming here because they want to visit the most vibrant, amazing city on earth. We have to run it well. We have to deal with crime. We have to deal with this migrant crisis. We are going to do it. But people shouldn't be afraid. They shouldn't be like, oh, my God, things are terrible. Remember that. Remember that there are a lot of people out there who are trying to convince you that things are bad. That's their job. I I want to try to get us to a place where we try to put things in perspective. So coming up at, at 4 o'clock, the very definition of perspective, the cool level head of Curtis Lewa will be talking 
uh, with him on left versus right. It's really great to have you along. I want to thank Ava, who worked the board, and Christian for t- taking your calls, and Kevin for supervising. And on a Veterans Day, in honor of my late father and all of the veterans within the sound of my voice, I want to thank you. May God bless and keep you, and God bless the United States of America. See you next week.